Thank you for visiting the openword.org, where you can find a verse-by-verse exposition of almost the entire Holy Bible and other theological resources. Welcome to the next part of the series from Alan Schaefer. Problem. What does that do? Nothing. <coughs> Still got the problem. Still got the problem. Back to the passage here. What it's doing here is it's saying you need to go restore. And the point there is not to punish, not to condemn, but to restore. And how are you to do that? With the spirit of meekness. You're not to go there and say, you know, I would have never fall into that sin. You know, good for nothing, piece of scum. I mean, that, that's not the way to do it. You need to go with the attitude of saying, you know, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I could be where you are. And I hope you all understand that the only reason you don't do any of the bad, really bad, bad, bad things is the grace of God. It's the grace of God and that alone. Spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And then it says here, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? What commandment did Christ give us? Love one another. So if you love one another, you bear one another's burdens. All right. Now it's interesting because it looks like Paul's contradicting himself here. All right. Because I once can he says, bear one another's burdens. But then one of them down here says, um, verse 5, for each shall bear his own load. What, what is he talking about there? Pardon? Yeah, that's the difference. A burden is something you can't manage. A load is something you can carry. In the body of Christ, and by the way, that's all what encouragement is, is just to help one another out. We've all faced those times in our lives where we need somebody to give us a hand, to come alongside and to hold us up. And that's what we need. We're to bear one another's burdens. And the whole point there is say, well, you know, you're too cruddy for me to hang around with. See, what we do today is instead of helping and bearing one another's burdens, we talk about each other. Mm-hmm. See? Um, we, we, we do that. I had one man call me up. I remember, I remember my conversation with him. And it was about this whole situation here at the church. He wanted to know how we allowed our pastor to railroad us in to forgiving this man. Wow. And it, was, it was one of those things, you know, when somebody says it, you, have, you don't even know what to say. I mean, you don't even know how to respond to that. Um, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. We're to bear one another's burdens. That's what the body of Christ is all about, right? Now, I'll tell you what. I'll be honest with you. After observing things going on in the church, you know, if I had a sin, I probably wouldn't want to tell people in the church. I mean, who needs it, right? I'll go down to the bar and tell the guys they're on the bar stool, you know. At least they are sympathetic. You go to the church, you get thrown out, you know. Um, and the whole point here is what should it be in the church? We should bear one another's burdens. Because if we bear one another's burdens, we fulfill the law of Christ, which is a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. That's the law of Christ. 
For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. You think you're great, you think you're a spiritual person, you think you're wonderful, you're just lying to yourself. Now, have you known any people like that? I have. Do you think that's referring to, um, you said before, that outside of God's grace, you could be in the same boat as the guy in the verse 1? I think you need to understand that. I think you need to understand that. You need to understand, we need to understand that we are capable of any sin. Any of them. And if it's not for the grace of God, we could, we could perpetrate any sin. And I remember, I've seen it happen before. I had one guy call me up one time and he was all upset because somebody in our Sunday school class um, was dating a woman who was not yet divorced. Now, this woman had been separated for three years, but, you know, the divorce papers weren't signed. And they were dating. And he was just livid that we would allow something like ungodly like this happen. All right. Well, I, I, I said, you know, I, I talked to the people or day. I said, you know, it's probably not a good idea to do that. You know, it just doesn't look good, you know. Um, but it's interesting because a year later, this guy divorced his wife for no reason at all. And married another woman in the class. And when they were told that, you know, that's not what the Bible teaches, they both got mad and left the church. You know, what's sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. And it's interesting to me because sometimes the people that are most violently against a sin are they themselves involved in that very same sin. I mean, I almost, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost ironic. I remember, remember when, um, what was it, Clarence Thomas? Remember when he's trying to get uh, yeah. whatever? Who's on, who's on the committee that was supposed to, um, whatever, one of the, the committees that was interviewing Ted Kennedy? Oh, God. I'm saying, good night. You know, they're, they're, they're roasting Clarence Thomas alive over supposedly this harassment or whatever. And look who's doing it. Ted Kennedy, I mean, crying out loud. I mean, boy, you talk about, you know, that's like going before the Ethics Committee, and there's Al Capone and, you know, Machine Gun Kelly and a whole lot of them, you know. The whole point is, we, we, we violently react. Somebody said it, and I, I heard this, when Jimmy Swaggart had that problem, right. he, was, he was in the middle of a series on adultery. That was, the, that was the sermon series. Um, listen to what it says here. If you think you're something when you're nothing, you're faking yourself out. See, Peter said that. Well, Lord, you know, they'll all run away, but I'll, I'll be there. And Christ said, right. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not another, for each shall bear his own load. It was interesting. I was talking to somebody one time, and they, and they they had a real hard time. They 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 told me. They said we don't understand how God could ever use this particular person in ministry. That's what they said to me. We we don't understand how how God could ever use them. Our pastor here. They were talking about our pastor here. And I told that person. I said, you know, the question I ask. God is not why is God using David Walls? Mm 
question I want to know is why is God using me? Because see, I know me. Right. I know I'm. I, I I know I know my own fallings and shortcomings. Why does God use me? That's the. That's the important question. You know, it's not why does God use you. Why does God use me? God uses what He wants. And, and these people, they never ask that question. And I had that same person one time tell me, said, Alan, you know, the only person who can teach a Bible better than me that, at open door, talking about himself, is you. I said, good night. You know, I'm, you know, I wouldn't, you don't compare yourselves like that. What, what kind of stupidity is that? You think yourself when you're something, when you're nothing, you deceive yourself. You fake yourself out. By the way, this same person hasn't been to church for five years. Too many hypocrites. <coughs> And when it says each one should test his own actions, ultimately we all struggle with motive. Ultimately, we all do that. But I think there's a consciousness about that, that, that when we pray and we, we, we attempt to walk in the Spirit, that God sometimes helps us sort those things out. The point is there's a lot of people that don't even think about that at all. Um, you need to ask yourself why you do things and that. And, and, and it's, it's very... Again, you know, the, the question is, is um, in the Bible, it always says, look at yourself. Inspect yourself. Um, we don't do that. We're always looking at somebody else. Why is it that God is blessing him? Well, the question is, why does God bless you? Do you deserve it? See, and see, that's why, you know, it's interesting because people get so offended. I'll be honest with you. There's a sense in which every people get so easily offended when when a pastor makes a mistake. You know why pastors make mistakes? They're human and they're not perfect. You know, every once in a while your pastor's going to have a bad hair day. It's just going to happen. <coughs> and and when we have when we when we have that kind of problem, what do we want people to do for us? We want people to love us and forgive us. Well, why can't we do the same for others? Ask, examine yourself. Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that will he also reap. Divine agriculture. <coughs> what you plan is what you get. What you sow is what you reap. Yeah. Um, don't be deceived. See? Um, and, and I think that goes back. You know, if I want people to forgive me, what do I have to do? Forgive them. If I want people to treat me well, what do I have to do? Yeah, you are what you reap. And what happens is people reap in their lives. All kinds of things. And we see is you see a delay factor here. 
And I think this all goes back to what you feed yourself. If you feed yourself bad things, rotten things, it's going to come out in your life. It's going to evidence itself at a later point. If you sow to the flesh, what will you reap? Corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, he sow the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. What kind of seed are you sowing? What kind of things are you doing? And uh, it takes a while for that seed to grow, doesn't it? Sometimes you don't see it. God gives the increase. See? And um, it says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Um, the point there is that sometimes the seed that you sow may take years and years and years to reap a return. But that doesn't mean you stop sowing and stop watering and stop planting. Because it says in verse 10, if you have opportunity, let's do good to all, especially those who are of the household of saints. Do good to them because of who you are, not what they are. And see, that's the point that Paul's making here. The story goes of a man who opened the door for this young woman. And she was one of these women, liber kind of women that you run into now and then. And she asked him very hardly, said, you don't have to open the door because I'm a lady. He said, I didn't. I opened the door because I'm a gentleman. Um, what are you? See, it's easy for us to do good to those who do good to us, isn't it? Right. Oh, that's easy to do. Scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You know. But how easy is it to do good to those who hate us? To those who don't like us? And to those who, who may not give us an immediate payback? Immediate payback. I remember the story, and it's a true story, of a young man who was going to medical school, and he made his living while he was going to medical school by selling encyclopedias door to door. And he remembers going to this one house, and it was a hot day, and he was just all tired. And this lady invited him in and gave him a glass of water and just made him relax a little bit and sit down. And she, I don't think she ever did buy the encyclopedia. She's just hospitable to the guy. And many years later, that same woman needed a very major operation. She had no money to pay for it. And when she got the bill, it was written on the bottom, paid in full by a glass of cold water. Wow. That's deep. Wow. You never know what's going to come around. You know, glass of cold water. And, and you know, you don't think of that. I, I remember the other, another story about a man who stopped and helped this lady with a Lincoln Continental. She had a flat tire. And it was a messy day and it was raining and all that. And he fixed her tire. And a few days later, somebody knocked on the door and brought in a brand new color TV entertainment center. He said, who sent this? And said, uh, some lady named Dr. Mart Mrs. Martin Luther King sent this to you for helping her with her tire. Guy didn't even know who she was. The whole point is, um, God, doesn't, God doesn't ignore those little things you do. 
And someday that seed you sow, you never know what's going to happen. Now some seed dies, doesn't it? But you never know when something's going to grow, when something's going to make an influence and an impact on somebody's life. Something that you may have done years ago comes back. I remember even in high school, I, I was called the preacher man in high school. And uh, I, I witnessed this one kid who came to know Christ, supposedly, in the locker room. I remember that. And I saw him years later. He was a Christian. <clears throat> Loved the Lord. And I said, you know, he said, I never did become a Christian when you prayed. I only came to Christ years later, but you planted the seed. You never know. You never know. What's going to happen? Jim, you were going to... I was just noticing in verse 10, it says, let us do good to all men. I think all is a key word there because as Christians, we, give a tendency, we can have a tendency to be nicer to other Christians. And they're clearly said all men. Especially those of the household of faith. Um, but not forgetting non-believers. Yeah. And that's a good question. Now, when's the last time you did something good for a pagan? I mean, it's easy for us to do good to people who are our friends and people who are Christians, but is it easy for us to do good to people who are pagans, our neighbors. He knows me. I knew him. I knew him when he was a pagan in the Iwana program. Uh, yeah. Uh, I forget where I was even talking there. How's that? Holy. Totally. Doing good. Doing good to to unbelievers. You know, when's the last time you invited them in? And, and do you have, do you have I, one thing, I, I'm very leery of all these modern um, evangelistic methods. They just, I don't know, they just, I don't care much for them. But I, I listen to one on, on the radio that I'm really, I really like. And I think we're even doing it here at Open Door. We're having somebody come in and speak about it. And it's the Lighthouse Movement. You ever hear that one? Now, that's the way you do evangelism. The lighthouse movement is, you be a lighthouse in your block. Why did God put you where you live? <coughs> to be a lighthouse, where you're at. And why is it so easy for us to go over to, across the ocean to Bongo Bongo and tell some natives about Christ, and it's so tough to you know, talk over the back fence and tell our neighbor about Jesus? Why did God put you where you're at? Why did, God, why did God bring certain people into your life? Accidental? Everything's a purpose, right? And, and we need, you know, I, I'm, really, I'm, really, I'm really convinced of this. We need, you need to have some pagan friends. In the words of Howard Hendricks, you need some hells and dams in your life. You need people who are pagans that you're friends with because how do you reach people for Christ if you're not around any pagans? See, what we do is we want the pagans to come to us. Christ didn't, Christ didn't set up a, a tent and wait for the pagans to show up. He went out in the highways and the byways and the hedges and walked over through the country. He, he took the message to them. He didn't wait for them to come to him. 
you know, most of the times I think if people come to Christ in our churches, it's by sheer accident almost. We need to go out and reach them. And then Paul ends his letter, See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these will compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Paul's saying, look at the large letters I wrote. Now some say that's indicative of his eye disease. I, you read stuff into there. Paul's saying, I wrote this letter personally to you. That's the point I think he's trying to make. And he's saying, uh, if people want to make a good showing in the flesh, they will compel you to be circumcised. Why? Well, it's not very nice of me to be going through all this persecution and that. It'd be much easier for me to just tell you to be circumcised, and that way, you know, there's no problem. I mean, we'll just mix in the law and, and, and its grace, and, and all my problems will go away, and, and I won't be run from town to town by the Jews. They would all like me. But I'm not going to do that. Because those who want you to be circumcised, they glory in their own flesh. They've got another convert. They've got another one following their system. By the way, that's one of the ways you can tell a false teacher from a true one every day of the week. Are they interested in making you their convert or Christ's convert? If it's their convert, it's a false teacher. 100% of the time. Paul's saying, I'm not trying to compel you to be circumcised in order to boast in the flesh and make myself out, see what I did. He says, I don't glory in anything. What do I glory in? But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has become crucified to me and I to the world. Paul says, I don't boast in my flesh. I don't boast in what I do. I boast in one thing and one thing only, the cross. And in that Society, what was the cross? Symbol of death. That's what Paul boasted in. And that's what the true man of God and woman of God boasts in. They don't boast in what they do and what they don't do. They're not interested in what lists they have and keep and all of that stuff. They're boasting in the cross of Christ. And that alone. And he says, because of that, the world has become crucified to me. I'm not interested in the things of this world. I, I, you know, I, I say this, you know, hopefully you'll take it with the right attitude, right, the way I mean it, but there's so many things that I used to like to do, I don't just, don't want to do anymore. <coughs> just, there's a lot of TV shows I used to watch that I just don't, I have no interest. It, it's, it's just, I, I just don't, it doesn't, I don't care to. Not yet. Um, because Christ, Paul says, the world is crucified to me. I'm dead to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Now, how do you get to be a new creation in Christ? Faith alone. And God transforms you and makes you a different person. Transformation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. What's the Israel of God? The nation? The true Israel. 
And who's the true Israel? All those who believe according to the faith of Abraham are true Israel. They're the ones who are truly Israel. From now on, don't let anybody trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He says, don't bother me anymore about this, because if you want to know if I follow Christ, come down, I'll show you my scars. I've suffered for Christ. I've paid the price. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. Any, any questions on Galatians here? I mean... We could have spent a lot more weeks in this, but we didn't, but we could have. But. Right. We need to preach on relations. Yeah. Preach on mortification of the flesh. I need to point. Yeah. I know you said don't feed it. Don't feed it. You need three points, right? You need two more points. Don't reverse it. Yeah. But reverse it and curse it. Oh! <laughs> I want a tape of that message. Don't reverse it, but curse it. Oh. Boy. I'll tell you. Man. Nerves, curse, and reverse. There's your three points. You got them. All right. Well, next week we'll pick up on Ephesians. Father, thanks for this time, for the opportunity to study, and pray that we consider and ponder these things. We thank you for the privilege of learning in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. This podcast was made in part with creative consulting and production assistance by Third Mass Studio. For your production needs, send an email to thirdmassstudio at gmail.com. For other lectures in this series and more biblical media resources, visit theopenword.org.